John chapter number 9 verse 1 says, As he went along, he saw a man, man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, Neither this man or his parents sinned. This clause right here messed me up this afternoon. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. This, hold on, Jesus, this don't make sense. Verse 3, you're talking about him. Verse 4, you start talking about you. So unless you're losing your train of thought and you're intellectually all over the place, there's some connection between what you said in verse 3 and what you said in verse 4. That you, y'all follow me? That you want to use his life to show them something about you. <laughs> While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word Siloam means sent. So the man went, washed, and came home sin. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself said, I'm the man. So they say, how then were your eyes opened? He said, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went, I washed, and then I could see. I want to talk from this subject in our time together. It's very simple. It's old school. We've heard our spiritual ancestors articulate it, but it's still relevant right now. Here's the topic of today's teaching. Have your way. Have, have your way. As, as, we want, as we begin to go swimming in this sermonic stream today, I, I want to remind some and inform others that there are a number of words that are often used to describe the nature and character of God. We throw around terms like omniscience, which speaks to God's ability to see or know everything. The prophet says, you know my thoughts from afar off. So before my thoughts become a thought, you see what I'm about to start thinking before I think it. For that reason, I should be open and honest and transparent with you because you already <laughs> have an accurate understanding of what I'm really feeling. You're the all-knowing God. There are words thrown around like immutable. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. It means unchanging. Same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You were a healer. You are a healer. You will be a healer. You were a way maker. You are a way maker. You will be a way maker. You were a door opener. You are a door opener. You will be a door opener. 
you exist with what Dr. Kenneth Alma calls an eternal isness. You never was, was. You already is what you will be. You just is. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Don't ever talk about what God used to be. Because there is no used to be in God. He just is. Let me put it the way my friend puts it. If he did it before. Where's my church? I said, let me put it the way my friend put it. If he did it before, he can do it again. Same God right now. Same God back then. And I want to pause and remind somebody that's facing a dilemma, that's dealing with some devastation, that's facing some discouragement. You remember what he did for you in 2013. You remember the door he opened in 2015. You remember when the pandemic happened and you didn't know how you were going to survive, but somehow, some way, God kept the pieces of your life together. He wants to remind you, I'm that same God. And since I'm that same God you owe me at least that same praise okay y'all listen to me I know we're familiar with the term back pay we need to adopt the term back praise God there's some work you did in the past that I never compensated you for with my praise so right here at change night, I got to pause in 2022 and thank you for what you did the last two years. What you doing? Just giving them a little back praise. Why you clapping? Just giving them a little back praise. Why you leaping? Just giving them a little back praise. Why you making so much noise? Just giving them a little back praise. You don't know what happened these past two years. You don't know what he brought me from. This is just a little back praise. You're mutable. Omnipotent. But there's one that's become uniquely popular based on the name Abraham gave, not necessarily God, but a specific place where God uniquely provided for him. And it's a word named Jehovah Jireh. All right, guys, I'm preaching and I'm cold. <laughs> now, if I'm preaching, I know I'm supposed to be hot. All these lights on me, yeah, let's, let's see if we can fix that. How I'm preaching. The Holy Ghost is fire, not air. That's what the Holy Ghost is. All-consuming fire. That's what. But back to my point, Jehovah, <laughs> Jehovah, Jireh, which Abraham named the place because he got a revelation. The Lord will provide. In other words, he meets needs, right? But I saw something that I think we need to discuss, that God is not only a need meter, He's a need assessor. Did you hear what I just said? He said, I don't just meet needs. I assess needs. And this can be comforting because he meets my needs. But it can be confusing because he assesses my needs. 
Because sometimes me and him look at the same thing and we don't have the same assessment. Let me go to this side. Let me see. I said sometimes me and God are both looking at my situation and I'm coming away with one conclusion and he's coming away with another conclusion. I'm like, God, what's up with this? Because you should be fixing this, straightening this out, making a way, making provision. Because you said you supply all my needs. And he's like, yes, needs, not preferences. He says, you better believe. Did you hear what I just said? He said, yeah, I I supply all of your needs, current needs, not just future ones. Did you hear what I just said? He said, yes, we can be looking at the same situation and not be in agreement about what constitutes a need. He said, you better ask the Apostle Paul, can, you, can we not look at the same situation and come away with two different assessments? Because Paul said in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, because of the abundance of revelation that was given to me, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me concerning this thing. I sought the Lord three times that it might be removed from me. And on the first thing God's first asked God said nothing on the second request God said nothing and on the third request he said my grace is sufficient Paul's like you need to move this God's like you need to keep this did you hear what I just said Paul's like I've never been in this much pain God's like You've never been in this much prayer. (laughs) Paul's like, I've never been this agitated. God's like, you've never been this anointed. And so instead of removing it, I'm going to give you grace to keep. Grace to endure what I will not alter because we looked at the same thing and we don't see the same thing. And I just want to help somebody right now that maybe has questions and concerns about why God isn't moving quickly, why he's not moving rapidly, why he's not fixing what we think needs to be fixed. He's like, I'm looking at the same thing you're looking at and you hate it, but I love it. I love what it's doing in you. I love what it's doing for you. I love how it's causing you to tap into a you you didn't even know you could tap into. I I love how it's calling. I love how it's waking up the warrior in you. I love how it's introducing you to a you that could carry weight you didn't even know you could carry. So this thing isn't just this thing isn't just torturing you. This thing is teaching you not just something about me. It's teaching you something about you. So that the so that the next time you begin to doubt you, you remember how you handled this thing, and this thing was the instrument that I sent to educate you about you. I want to know, has anybody, can anybody look back over your life and admit that my trials didn't just teach me something about God, my trials taught me something about me. 
I need somebody to go at least 1979 with me and touch yourself and say, you're a bad somebody. You, 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 you're, you're a bad somebody. The average person would have cracked. The average person would have quit. The average person would have defected from the faith. The average person would have rolled over in a corner and died. But something on the inside wouldn't let you die. You a bad somebody. He's not just a need meter. He's a need assessor. And his assessment impacts a couple of things. Are y'all all right? Do I have a little time? I know, I know we're going to get you out in just a second. All right. But, but here it is. Here it is. The fact that he's a need assessor impacts his activity in two ways. It impacts if he does something. Watch this. But it also impacts the way he does it if he chooses to do it. Because sometimes I like what you're doing, but I don't like the way. <sighs> Did you hear what I just said? And an example, example family of what I'm trying to articulate is found in this passage right here in John 9. All I've been doing is preaching John 9. I hadn't quoted the text, but I've been preaching the text. All I've been doing without mentioning John 9 is preaching to you everything that's in John 9. Because in John 9, we see a God who's omniscient. In John 9, we see a God who's immutable. In John 9, we see a God who not only meets needs, but we see a God who assesses needs. In John 9, we're allowed to eavesdrop on a conversation that Jesus has with a gentleman that goes unnamed. All the text tells us is he's a blind man. I'm not even going to bother that. But when I get to heaven and meet John, I'm going to ask John about that. Because Jesus didn't do that. John did that. John made a decision. I'm going to write about you, but I'm going to connect you to your issue and not your name. <laughs> did you hear what I just said on this side? He said, see, that's how, that's how some people will, well-meaning, well-intentioned, they, they will do you. They, they will only remember you by the issue that used to plague you. Watch this now. The text says, the text says, John says, there's a blind man. And this is, this is interesting now because Charles Spurgeon teaches us this. He says, this is the way you need to read the Bible. Charles Spurgeon says, every physical and literal ailment in the New Testament is a metaphor for a spiritual or emotional ailment in our lives. And if you don't understand that, it'll be hard for you to see the meaning of miracles in Scripture for you. Are you following me? So when you see somebody lame or unable to walk or paralyzed, in scripture, it's a metaphor of being stuck in life. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, when, when, when you see someone in scripture who's unable to speak naturally, it's a metaphor for people who've lost their voice spiritually. 
I'm not going to bother this relationally. <laughs> Professionally. When you see someone who cannot hear in Scripture, it's a metaphor for people that you can't get through to. People who will, who will hear but not listen. And in order for you to get through to those people, you need God to open their ears. Sometimes it's not your pre presentation. Sometimes it's not your conversation. Sometimes it's not your timing. Sometimes you need God to do something in them before you can say something to them that will actually get through to them. I need to pause because I know all your relationships aren't perfect. I know every area of your life. I know there are some areas of your life where you need God to get through to people. Maybe our prayer should be, Lord, open their ears. Lord, open their ears. Curate a circumstance that makes them open to hear what they were not previously open to hear and give me the wisdom so that, when I, so, that, so that when I see them in a circumstance that you're using to make them open, I don't rescue them from what they need. It's going to put them in a position for you to get through to them. He's a blind man. Which means, or metaphorically, can speak to a person that's living life with no vision. <laughs> Helen Keller is quoted as saying this, that Mississippi Miracle said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. He's living a visionless existence. The text says he's been blind since birth, which means he's never lived life with vision. So darkness is normal. <sighs> Did you hear what I just said? <clears throat> darkness is normal. He's been, he's been in darkness so long, now he knows how to survive in darkness. He knows how to, he knows how to navigate his way through darkness. Darkness is all he knows, so darkness is normal to him. Because we can deal with darkness or dysfunction for so long that we become functional in the midst of dysfunction, not realizing that it's still dysfunctional even though I'm functional in it. Darkness. And here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk around in the dark. But if you have, it increases the likelihood of injury. Did you hear what I just said? I said you can bump your toe or you can run into something with your forehead because when you're operating with a visionless existence, it increases the likelihood of injury. And there are some injuries we've had relationally. There are some injuries we've had emotionally. There are some injuries we've had spiritually. There are some injuries we've had professionally because we were walking around in the dark. Might I tell you some people like you better when you blind? because of psst. 
Yeah, some people are saying you changed. No, I ain't changed. The difference is God's opened my eyes. And now that he's opened my eyes, you know I can see you. And I can see that you're not for me the way you say you for me. It causes injury. But watch this. I, I don't know if you walked around in the dark, but not only does it cause injury, it also inhibits acceleration. You don't go fast in the dark. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? You don't go fast in the dark. You. And some of us know what it's like to not move at the pace and at the speed and at the rate. You've got the potential to move in. Your legs work, so you got the ability to do it, but your eyes don't, and so you can't see. And so, did you hear what I just said? And so you're wrestling with the reality of feeling like you're behind schedule because you've been walking around in the dark. But I believe at a change night, that's something that God can change. He can open your eyes, and when your eyes get open, you will experience acceleration somebody say acceleration that means God can get you further faster Joel put it this way it is the redeeming of time he buys back time he doesn't give you more time that's not redemption he buys back old time he takes y'all missed it something took your time for you God walks into the pawn shop and takes it back and says, I'm going to do more in the time you got left than you could have did in the time you wasted. He said, when I redeem 10 years, it means I take one year and I do for you in one year what you couldn't do for yourself in 10. Acceleration. 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 And if acceleration is, to, is connected to my sight and not my conditions, then acceleration can happen at any moment. If acceleration is determined by some internal revelation and not some social condition, it, it means that it doesn't matter if there's a pandemic. It doesn't matter if gas prices are high. It doesn't matter if no one will help me. It doesn't matter if no one supports me. As soon as I can see, I can move. Did you hear what I just said? I said, as soon as I can see, I can move. I need somebody to just touch yourself and say, I see something. I see something. God must be getting ready to move some things in my life. <laughs> y'all ready for this? I don't know if y'all ready for this next. You sure you ready? Okay, here it is. It increases the likelihood of injury now. It inhibits your acceleration. But when you're also visionless, when you can't see, it demands assistance. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? It demands assistance. It means you have to have other people do things for you that you could do for yourself if you could see. <laughs> uh, 
it, it, it produces a codependency that's un, un, that would not be necessary if you could see. It requires unrelenting affirmation from others that wouldn't be necessary if you could see. Right? It, it makes it more difficult to overcome and arrest imposter syndrome. Always feeling like you don't belong. Not, realize, not realizing that the questioning of myself in certain rooms is actually the questioning of God's judgment. Did you hear what I just said? I said when you start questioning your worth and your worthiness as it relates to being in certain rooms, what you're actually questioning is God's judgment. God's like, so you think I didn't know what I was doing when I put you there. I put you there because I know something about you that you don't know. And I'm trying to open your eyes so that you can see you belong here. I feel old school church in here tonight. Somebody say I belong here. Yeah, if God put me in the room, if I don't know why I'm there, I belong there. And if they don't know why you're there, tell them that's not my issue. Because you wondering why I'm in the room, I'm wondering too. So if you got an issue with it, take it up with my supervisor. It demands assistance. It makes me unnecessarily codependent. We should live interdependently. That's the way God made us. Somebody's an eye, somebody's a hand, somebody's a foot. But there's a difference between interdependence, which means me utilizing something God gave you that he didn't give me, versus codependence, which is where I'm relying on you for something God gave me. Does that make sense? There's a difference between interdependence and codependent. But when you can't see, there are things you want others to do for you that you could do for yourself. So when you see this man living a life of blindness, I want you to see him running in the walls his whole life. Did you hear what I, I want you to see the issues that come from the issue. You don't understand the gravity of his circumstance if you are not clearly uh, acquainted with what he actually had to go through his whole life. It was more than he couldn't see. He kept running in the walls. Kept feeling like he was behind schedule. <clears throat> kept having to call and ask people to take him to the store and they breathe heavy. His whole life, he's dealing with issues that come from the issue. And if all we see is the issue, 
we're missing the depth of his dilemma. He probably had bruises over his body from the times he ran into walls. <laughs> He's probably wrestling with his sense of worth emotionally because he's constantly relying on people to do for him what he wished he could do for himself. He's blind. And the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says, this blind man who'd been blind for birth ran into a man named Jesus. And his running into Jesus awakens in him an appetite for a possibility he never had an appetite for until he got around somebody that made him hungry. Let me say it. Did you hear what I just said? I said, all he knows is blindness. He's accustomed to blindness. He's comfortable with blindness. But then he runs into Jesus and Jesus creates a hunger in him for a possibility of living with sight that he did not even desire before being exposed to somebody that made them hungry. And I just need to pause and ask you to audit your own relational orbit and ask, is there anybody in it that make you hungry? I didn't ask if they make you happy. Because you do know God created the concept of friendship not to make us, not to give us company, but to help us carry out our calling. God didn't say, Adam, you need Eve because you're lonely. He said you need Eve because it's not good. That you are alone. That I've given you an assignment in the earth that cannot be accomplished without somebody else. Because there are some people that are making us happy because they're consoling us in our blindness. It's okay. One hand on your back, the other hand in your wallet. One hand rubbing your back, the other hand in your purse. Maybe they're not robbing you financially. But they're exploiting you emotionally. Because they like you being in need because they need to be needed. Yeah. They need to be needed. You say, no, there should be people in your life that make you hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Just make you say, I can't stay like this. 
that make you discontent with something you used to be satisfied with. Did you hear what I just said? Uh, uh, see, guys, I can't do dairy. All of a sudden, I turned 30 and I couldn't tolerate it anymore. I'm going to see who caught the revelation. You got it. I t when I got 30, stuff I could tolerate, I couldn't digest anymore. Stuff that I used to be okay with made me sick when I got older. It's time for some of us to get older emotionally, older, spiritually, because when you get older, there's some things you used to tolerate. You can't now. <laughs> yeah, I used to be okay with this. I'm not okay with this now. I'm not okay with being stressed all the time. I'm not okay going into a house with somebody I don't like. I'm not okay waking up every day going to a job I can't stand. I am not okay being emotionally uh, emotionally bankrupt and not having my needs met. I'm not okay no, trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills and take care of my children and how I'm going to put gas in the car. I'm not okay. He runs into a man named Jesus. And before Jesus could speak, I hope I'm, I'm getting ready to go kingdom now. Number three ways you can live life culture's way, church's way, king's way. In the church's way, king's way, sometimes. Sometimes not. Sometimes the people that claim to know him best misrepresent him the most. I said, I'm getting ready to go kingdom here now. So Jesus didn't say this, but the people who always claimed to speak for him did. His disciples said, who sinned? This man or his parents that he's born blind. They didn't say, did someone sin? They already came to the situation with a preconceived judgment. Jesus follower. See, that's, that's too much. Y'all know, that's too much. That's, oh, I don't know if y'all ready. I don't know if y'all ready to go there. Yeah, come on now. You serving Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, eating with Jesus, but you're not properly representing Jesus. Jesus follower, who's saying? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. There's got to be a reason. He must have done something wrong if he's dealing with this wrong. What did he do? Tell me, Jesus. And I'm like, Dalton Thomas, I know you ain't say nothing. Peter, you sure you want to? <laughs> Judas, I know you, you not see him. <laughs> right? Because it's amazing how people can become experts and geniuses when it comes to your issue. But they get amnesia when it comes to their own.
It's like, so you can see all of this in me and you can't see nothing in you? I mean, you got all this discernment and none of it work on you. None of this discernment that you have that's showing you all of this stuff about other people that you're talking to me about, none of that has showed you that you gossiping. They said, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. And Jesus says, neither. Nobody sinned in a way that caused this calamity. He, of course the man's not perfect. Of course his parents aren't perfect. So there's no way they lived a sinless life. But he's trying to get you to see. Stop trying to attach sin to every struggle. Did you hear what I just said? That's the enemy's work. He's called the accuser of the brethren. So he's constantly in your ear saying, yeah, you know what you did in 2013. That's why this is happening in 2022. Because condemnation is a faith killer. So he wants to condemn you to the point where you feel like you deserve what you're in. Now you don't have faith to get out. Y'all tired. I'm losing you. I can tell. I said, when you're in trouble and you believe you deserve to be in it, it impacts your ability to have faith to get out of it. Jesus said, neither. He said, neither. This bothered me. Guys, I saw this this afternoon, Trayvon. It bothered me. Because this is what Jesus said. He said, neither. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Wait a minute. This is disruptive to my theology. This makes me have to revisit some things I previously thought about suffering and the saints. Let's read again. Neither. This man or his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God Come on now, let's not sanitize this. All these walls he'd been running into. All these bruises on his body. All of this codependence he's been having to live with his entire life. Jesus said, this did not happen 
because of sin. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed through him. The works of God for who? The works of God, the works of God displayed, displayed to who? It's like, I don't know if y'all ready for this theologically. I got to revisit some things because he's saying this man's mess is his mirror to reflect some things about him to other people who wouldn't see him in that way if it wasn't for the mess and the mirror. So he says, this miracle isn't about the miracle. This miracle is about the message the miracle sends about me. He says, this ain't even about healing the man. This is about using the man's blindness as a mirror to display and reflect my goodness to other people besides this man. So he says, I need to use this man's miracle as a message to send to others that I'm a miracle worker. So then it changes the way we need to consider being used by God. He said, you want me to use you? Yes. Okay. You'll get sick. Your sister's going to call for me. I could get there. I'm not going to come. Let me say it. Let me say it again. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let, let me let me say it again. You should. You want you you want me to use you? Yes. I'm a sing. Nope. I'm a preach. Nope. I'm a testify. Not yet. You will. But not yet. I'm a start a business. You will, but not yet. I got another way. I want to use you first. God, you know I got all these gifts. Yeah, I gave them to you. I don't need them yet. Yeah, you're going to get sick. Your sister's going to call for me. I could get to you, but I'm not. I'm going to stay where I am two more days. Then I'm going to let you die. Then I'm going to come to where you are. And then I'm going to let you stay in that grave four days. Where everybody has now assumed that it's too late. Because the Pharisees didn't believe in angels and miracles, but the Sadducees did. And so the Sadducees had a teaching that the spirit of a man didn't leave his body until three days. So Jesus didn't come on the first day and Jesus didn't come on the second day and Jesus didn't come on the third day because if he did, the Sadducees would have questioned the validity of the miracle. He came on day four and said, Lazarus, come forth. Because this sickness is not unto death, but so that the son of man might be glorified. Oh, I know this ain't running, t- this, this not running preaching right here. <laughs> so 
Lord, I want you to use me. He said, okay. Those bruises, they're codependent. I'm going to use all that. And I'm asking you, will you let me do it in you? So that 2,000 years later, Darius can tell a room full of people in Orlando about it. Will you let me, hiya, will you let me, will you let me do it for you one time? <laughs> so they can talk about it to the end of time. Did you hear what I just said? Will, 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 will you let me do it for you one time so that they can talk about it until the end of time? So Jesus, y'all all right? I'm not done, y'all okay? All right. Some, somebody like, well, I'm done. I'm done. So Jesus is getting ready to heal this man. He ready. He excited. He said, you get ready. Okay. Jesus said, no, I'll get up. He's telling people, uh, somebody get some oil. You going to anoint me? Jesus said, no, uh-uh. I'm getting ready to fix it. But I not only know what to fix, I'm an assessor. And to use, to use you the way I want to use you, there are some details that don't make sense to you that make sense to me. So I'm about to fix your blindness, but this is how I'm fixing it. Stay right there. He spits in the dirt makes mud, puts it on the man's eyes, and then tells a man who couldn't see without dirt on his eyes. <laughs> that now has dirt on his eyes. He tells that man, go to the pool of Siloam. How am I supposed to find my way? How am I supposed to find my way there? But it's the same as Jesus telling lame people, take up your bed and walk. The command to do something that you couldn't do before is an indication that grace has been released for you to do it. So he said, I'm telling you to take up your bed and walk because you can walk now. So this man... has mud on his eyes that's made from Jesus' spit. Now, I like to stare at a text. Hmm? See, mining diamonds, drilling for oil, take patience. And some people don't strike oil because they won't drill long enough. Stare at it. <sighs> it's more in here than meets the eye. Stare at it. That's why the devil tried to make you go to sleep when you're reading it. Because he knows if you stare at it long enough, 
you're going to see something on the second look you didn't see on the first. You're going to see something on the third look you didn't see in the second. You're going to see something on the fourth look you didn't see in the... Stare at it. I stared at it. And the text says, he made some mud with the saliva. So it spit on dirt. Spit on dirt. Spit on dirt. And God made man from the dust of the ground. Spit on dirt. Spit on dirt. Now, one of the things saliva is used for is to determine DNA. Sometimes saliva is used to determine who you belong to. So when Jesus is putting spit on dirt, he's putting his DNA on mud, which represents humanity. It is a picture for salvation. He's, he, he's saying, I know, he said, I could have just spoke the word and healed you. I could have just laid hands on you and healed you. I could have just let you touch me and heal you. But I got to send the message that I can only send by spitting in the dirt. Because I want people to see. They got to get saved before they see. See, I know this old school here. Because some people trying to see without getting saved. Only your maker can tell you what you made for. Only the one that created you can tell you what he created you for. You're trying to discover purpose without asking the one that created you. <laughs> Are y'all ready? But after he's saved, he still can't see. After he's saved, he still can't see. After he saved, Jesus said, now leave me and go to sent. The text says, he sends him to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. He said, you saved now. But there's some things that aren't going to fall off your eyes until you go to your scent. <laughs> I want you to go not just to any pool, go to Siloam. Go to the right pool. Some people can't see because they ain't picking a pool. They went but they don't know their scent. Did you hear what I said? See, I start seeing some things in ways that I never saw them before until when I got to my scent. Right. 
So the text says he went, washed, and came away seeing. I was excited. I thought this was phenomenal. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was amazing. I know he's excited. But the text says he leaves and his neighbors who had formerly seen him begging. I'm not even going to bother that. Because all John talked about initially was his blindness, not his begging. But the blindness produced the begging. So they used to see him begging. And they say, isn't this the same man who used to sit in bed? And some says, yeah. Others say, no, he only looks like him. They say, what happened to you? He said, I met this dude named Jesus. He healed me. And then the, watch this. John 9, 16 says, some of the Pharisees said, these are religious leaders. They said, this man is not from God. For he doesn't keep the Sabbath. He don't do it the way we do it. This is not the way it is regularly done. He said, but others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And this man said something that blessed my whole life. He said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know. I once was blind, but now I see. I'm telling you, God can give you confidence without closure. God can give you excitement without an explanation. I don't know if it's from God. I don't know if it's from the devil. But one thing I know, I once was blind. But now, I see. Verse 35 says this, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? Tell me that I might believe in him. Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Did y'all hear what I just said the man said tell me about this Jesus Jesus said I'm the one you speaking to him the man said well I believe and he worshipped the worship followed the believing <laughs> he said I believe and the response to his belief was worship. He said, I believe. And the response to his belief was worship. He said, I believe. And the response to his belief was worship. I know there's somebody in this room that's sitting with some mud on your eyes. Somebody in this room can't see some things the way you want to see some things. But if you believe, your belief needs to express itself in some worship. I want you to catch this. This man, in essence, paints a powerful picture to us. That there are times where you just got to say, Lord, have your way. 
that you're doing what you're doing this way for a reason. I, I don't know if I like the way. I don't know if I understand the way. But have your way. There's a way you're doing this. And it's messy. It's muddy. But you're doing it this way for a reason. So, Lord, instead of going to different pools than the pool you sent me to, I'm just going to say, have your way. And I came tonight for some people that if you're honest, you're a little conflicted about the way he's doing something. You trust him, but you're struggling. Because I don't understand this way. know I told you to use me but I didn't mean this way look at me look at me his way is not the way that's just the best for him his way is always the way that's best for you listen to me because this wasn't the only blind man he could heal He says, but I'm doing this through you because this is what's best for you. Listen to me. I choose to get glory out of you because me getting glory out of you is what's best for you. Because I could find somebody else blind to get glory out of. But I pick this is what's best for you. This, are y'all ready for this? Do this season with this man where he received this miracle gave him a message he needed that, would care, that he would carry with him for the rest of his life. He said, I did this through you because this, it's what's best for you. I took you this way because this way is the best way for you. So today I want you to stop fighting his way. Today I want you to make a decision, Lord, I, I want you to have your 
Because if you're my need assessor, I can't assess what you're doing while you're still in the middle of it. But once I get on the other side of it, I can look back and see what I called the worst season of my life was, was actually a womb. It was a womb that was birthing me into the best seasons of my life. Did you hear what I just said? I said what I was calling the worst season of my life was actually a womb that God was using to birth me into the best season of my life. Have your way. And tonight I want to pray for some people who say, I trust them, but I'm struggling. Pastor Darius, I'm struggling so much with this way. But I remind you of the words of Job. When Job said, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. As I pray tonight, and you want to be included in this prayer, just lift that hand wherever you are in this room. Say, Pastor Darius, I'm struggling. Include me in this prayer. Have your way. Yes. So, Father, I just pray right now for, for, for every single person in this room, people watching, I pray right now for those who are struggling with the way. I pray right now that you would release grace and unearned ability to trust you more. Oh, for grace to trust you more. Oh, for grace to trust you more. I pray for a grace to trust. I pray for a grace to release and surrender. And I pray for revelation, eyes open to see what we are calling the worst season of our life is simply a womb that you are using to birth us into our best. And we say, have your way in our home. Have your way with my career. Have your way with my children. Have your way with my marriage. Have your way with my future. Have your way with my company. Have your way with my calling. I will go where you send me. Have your way. 
way and I thank you for this and knowing you like we know you we already have what we've asked you for and we thank you for these things and in the spirit of this man in John 9 we believe therefore we worship we believe therefore we worship we believe therefore we worship in Jesus name let me hear you give him praise Orlando